good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's the Redleaf Retrocast Anime Episode 61. Yes, it is part two of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. We are doing episodes 27 through 54, the second arc, the second part, however you want to phrase it. I am your host, JD. Very excited for this cast. I'm joined by my amazing hosts, Tori and Hickey. Tori, how you doing? We'll go with you first. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Nothing much to Except- say other than that. Excited for this cast today? Uh, yes, I am actually. It's uh, it's been a while since we did uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes last, so almost a doing... year to the date. Damn. Yes. Damn. So maybe this will be an annual thing, the Legend of Galactic <laughs> Heroes podcast, and 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 after year four, we will have completed the series. <laughs> and then it's time for the OVA. <laughs> Sorry, not the OVA. And then it's, it's time the for the second OVA part. Uh, yeah. Hickey, you're here, all the way from the continent of political discourse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things are things are fun. <laughs> uh, a lot of things. You got what was it? Argentina and Chile both building a wall. You got Brazil, I guess, doing the the uh, their own thing. Venezuela's in the shitter. Like, what's going on down there? It's, it's crazy. It's a little bit hard to explain. I would have to go back in time for like 500 years. I don't don't really want to uh, do that. It's it's fun. Uh, yeah. It's, just, it's Are you just, excited for this cast today? Oh, I'm highly excited. I've been waiting a year for this cast. Uh, it's always good to talk about, I guess, uh, fictional political things. <laughs> in this case, Legend of Galactic Heroes. <laughs> That's well put. Well, also on the agenda today, we got, uh, I'll be talking about Isekai Wrestler, uh, just a little episode there. My my thoughts on that show, since that is my self-punishment brought on by Tori and Hickey. Thank you, guys. I mean, you Tori's, said you wanted it, so... Uh... I did say I wanted the pain. <laughs> no pain, no gain in the anime world. Tori, you got your plan to watch Cleaning Quest, continuing on that little journey. Mm-hmm. Hickey picked an interesting manga to check out today, and naturally we'll round out with our Legend of the Galactic Heroes. So, first thing for foremost, I want to address a number of emails we've been getting lately. It is about our YouTube channel, Redleaf Retrocast. People are wondering why episodes are missing from there, and um, I found out the issue. So, <clears throat> at first I thought it was a... Um, uh, problem with uh, whether it was the algorithm or problem with <clears throat> YouTube in general, just not letting uploads come in, or uh, the because we like using licensed soundtracks in the beginning and ends of episodes just to kind of have a little fun there. It is actually a problem with our host site Podbean and how it connects to YouTube, where every once in a while uh, it will just disconnect the connection between Podbean and YouTube, and it just won't upload an episode. And then I have to go through a re-approval process with connecting the two sites, and with how and with my internet being so bad with upload speed, it's not worth it to just re-upload the episode to YouTube. So, that is the explanation for that. Uh, I'll just do my best to try to keep up with the re-approval but I won't know that the connection is gone until an episode just doesn't upload. 
So if you are looking for an episode and it's not on YouTube, don't don't worry, it is everywhere else. So <laughs> literally. Literally everywhere else. Not SoundCloud. There we go. I have to always preface that. <laughs> Somehow, some way, someday. Maybe. Well, SoundCloud has its own little paid service going on, and Podbean is cheaper, so that's why we're on Podbean. Yep. Maybe next year we'll switch to uh, Anchor, which is free. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. And we won't have to rely on the occasional $1 donations here and there to uh, attribute to the annual fee Podbean requires. So, yes, I have read the emails. There's your answer. Uh, Answers that. All right, so Isekai Wrestler. Rise Up. Episode 4 is what I watched. I have not watched Episode 5 yet. Because Episode 4 kind of broke me a little bit, guys. I'm going to be honest. It was atrocious. I did not find it funny. It was filler. It was hot trash at its finest. I hated it. Tori, why? Why did I hate this so much? I know you're asking. <laughs> yes, definitely. I really care. Please tell I, me. I know you care. Hickey, <laughs> Hickey, I know you care too. Don't worry, I did not forget about you. <laughs> oh, I, I can feel your pain. Don't worry about it. Just just do your thing. Yeah. So episode four consisted of them just not working and spending a bunch of money on all the animals they've accumulated in their little cottage. They still don't have the permit to start a pet shop in the world, so even though they have all this ambition in the world to get this thing started, apparently it's not amb- it's not important enough to actually make money to get get uh, the down payment for the loan at the bank. So, you know, priorities. Haha, <laughs> funny. Um, and it just keeps going back and forth between the, the main, what is she, a half-wolf chick? Shigure. I don't remember. Sure. Half-wolf chick. Yeah, sure, who cares? Half-wolf chick, she's just kind of... Getting mad because no mm-hmm. one's drinking and they're eating all the food and it's costing a lot of money. They eventually get a job to go after a griffin. And so they go off. The griffin is really powerful. Go figure. And uh, they learn that the a griffin offspring, they'll give birth to two. And then they'll have the little offspring fight to the death. And the, well, they'll fight and the winning one will be raised by the parents while the Losing one will just be left to die. So there you go. Uh, they come across, well, Griffin fight. And, of course, the guy goes, Ah! Well, that one lost. It's just going to die anyways. I will take it. They run away from the Griffin. There's at least some haha moments of the... Um, the, the chick that is, I guess, the servant of the dragon girl. She kind of dies... I guess, in a way, by the griffin. So they bury her in the ground, which led to at least a funny comment where it goes, yeah, we just got to bury her in, like, fresh soil, and then no, she'll come back to life No, impure soil. I'm like, oh, okay. Impure soil. Impure soil. Yeah, that's right. And the dog pees on it. Yeah, so bad at its finest. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was some Konosuba humor. I quite like that, where it was just, like, stupid hijinks there. Uh, but the episode overall was was very trash and filler. Did not like it. Uh, they He raises the griffin. It gets really big. And there you go. That's the end of that. Hooray. Yay. So yeah, Rise Up Episode 4 was not good. 
Ten out of ten. Yes, it's definitely not. And it's not like the Death Stranding reviews coming out where people are saying it's it's a boring game, but it's so artful. <laughs> ten out of ten. Uh, <laughs> are you guys familiar with Death Stranding? Uh, Just a little bit. I, I've heard about it. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> basically it's it's a game I've been highly looking forward to. And it's like a super walking simulator with art. Is it's like its whole appeal, and uh, my favorite review I read was the one that gave it like a thirty-four out of a hundred, and it just said, uh, "It's it's a horrid, boring piece of garbage that just sh- goes to show you that if you let a guy go off and do his art without being supervised, he'll make a game like this." And he gives it a 30, 34 out of a hundred. It was it was a fun read. I Ujima. will admit, <laughs> and its finest, yeah. Yeah, apparently the game has an ending two-hour cutscene. So it's a fucking movie to end the game. <laughs> and I, I disagree with that review because Igarashi went on to do his own thing and he did a, a good game. <laughs> uh, just that Kojima yeah. is a little bit weird. Yeah, he's out there. There's no doubt about that. You kind of have to... I mean, it's Kojima. You you know what you're expecting with the kind of game he wants to bring to the world. And a walking simulator. He's, he's always he's always cutscene heavy. Hmm. But more and more will be spoken about that in the uh, modern gaming episode. Tori, you have a Me. plan plan to watch Cleaning Quest. Unless you guys got other random thoughts you want to get out there. I don't nope. think so. I don't. Okay, go for it. But no, no, no I'm drop. I'm no drop. Oh shit! I, oh, I have shit. We're going that. crazy today. All right then. So now then we're back to my plan to clean. Uh, plan to cleaning. Watch quest. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my plan to watch list cleaning quest. And uh, now we're up to G. And today I'm going to be talking about a show that absolutely no one has ever heard of. So anybody talk about before ever? And it's called Ghost Stories. The best show ever made. Oh boy. <laughs> The best show ever done. I did, in fact, watch the dub. Very appropriate, coming right after Spooky yeah. Month. I know, right? No, uh, definitely not the sort of show that I would watch subbed, because, quite frankly, it's boring. Uh, but I did watch the dub, despite not really liking dubs, and uh, the dub is very fun. But first off, let's just look at some stuff here. Ghost Stories uh, is a 19-episode TV series and a uh, special episode. Making 20. Uh, pr- produced by Studio Piero. And um, it was directed by Noriyuki Abe, who has directed uh, stuff like, I don't know, Arslan Senki, Bleach, you know. Good the stuff, The 90s really. one or the newer one? Uh, Arslan Senki, the newer one. Okay. Yes, the newer one. Have you ever seen the 90s Arslan Senki? I haven't seen any of Arslan Senki. He also directed Great Teacher on Suka. So, uh... That's a good one. That is a good one. He's done a lot of stuff. I just saw... No, never mind. He has not there at the dragon. Uh, but yeah. So the synopsis from Mal says... Uh, years ago, all of the ghosts in a haunted schoolhouse were banished by a certain student. Now they're back and want revenge. Sasuke revenge and Kei... 
Satsuki and Keichiro uh, Miyanoshita are two siblings recovering from the tragic loss of their mother. After moving to their mother's hometown, they learn that the local school they have transferred to is an old building, once said to be haunted. Despite, in, uh, despite initially brushing it off as a silly rumor, the two soon discover that ghosts are indeed real, and that they they're after the, and that they're after them. <laughs> Gakko no Kaidan is the creepy tale of the lives of these siblings and their newfound friends as they try to survive the school's <clears throat> ghosts with a little help from their pet cat along the way. Satan, <laughs> uh, Satan the cat. cat. Yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs> Satan the cat. Wait, oh, actually it's named just Satan. literally no. Satan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The cat is possessed by Satan. <laughs> oh man, I just oh, love it. So I think, love I think it. I would... Like, no matter where you are, the dub of ghost stories will be amazing. <laughs> oh, I remember. Yes. Listen, there's just something special about watching a show about a little girl walking up face to face against a monster, a giant demon. And going, suck my metaphorical cock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, I, dude, at the beginning, it's, it's iconic. Inside of the the <laughs> the truck on the first, uh, like in the, in the seat, and she going, oh, I'm I'm moving to where my what's grandmother, like the the little notebook she carries. Uh, yeah, from yeah, the yeah. same school my grandmother came, and now I I have the only. Oh no! Uh, yeah, no, mo- no, mo- right. mother, like mother, the mother came, and this is the only thing she gave me—a book full of satanic shit. I'm like, uh, hold on, <laughs> me, me, me at like eleven years old. Like, hold on, that doesn't add up. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's so good. Like mm. no matter the fake children voices as well, and the dub, I just. Uh... Dude, it's no, it's just great. <laughs> I mean, that's part. Yes, that's part of the joke. Pa- no, it's, it's not part of the joke. Like, it's you don't part sound of the charm. like. <laughs> Come on. No. Yeah, no, but it is part of the joke because they do play that because I mean they have lines like that. You don't even sound like a kid. <laughs> it's like basically it. It is a, It is essentially like everybody likes to call it an official abridged. It's not, but I mean it is part of it. Like there's not no matter what the story is about. That's irrelevant in the dub. I don't really give a shit about the story. It's just. Let's crack a whole bunch of inappropriate early 2000s jokes. Yeah, like so, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff, including it's racism so and oh, fucking... Man. <laughs> some, some... Uh, nothing, nothing says top, top level humor without racism. Am I right, oh, guys? Oh, you need racism. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, I mean, it is... I do, I do suspect that there are people who argue if they do watch it, they will be offended by this because, I mean, it doesn't pull any punches, but... It's all done in kind of not good fun, but it is like it is it is humor. It's funny if you like that sort of stuff. If you don't, you're probably just going to rip your hair out. But there's just something funny to me, inherently funny, about seeing a little kid constantly going around co- calling her mother a complete dyke, you know, her deceased mother, because apparently she was like a fucking uh, religious drug addict, <laughs> lesbian, fucking pedophile, I guess. <laughs> Well, I mean, I listen to dub shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you guys know the story behind why the dub came to be? In my because uh, ghost stories did horribly. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> ghost stories was uh, received very poorly, and uh, when uh, the uh, show was picked up, they essentially got free reign to do whatever they wanted with it. 
to make it sell. Well, the the voice actors got free reign. They didn't have to go by a script or anything. Yeah, no, but that yeah. was even that was included. That was already established when uh, they when uh, was it when they got the uh, license to uh, from like uh, the Japanese licensors. When they got yeah, the yeah. license, they essentially just said this didn't do well. Just do whatever. Do whatever, fuck. <laughs> do whatever you yeah. want. Now the Brazilian dub is a little bit better. You can understand the story. Uh, it's still a little uh, weird uh, <laughs> from time to time because you know the uh, the voice actors weren't that engaged <laughs> so you know <laughs> instead of using uh, like a uh, post effect sometimes they would just make effects with their own uh, uh, like they would modulate their own voices uh, so yeah it's it's very interesting uh, I, I remember watching it as a kid it went on uh, like open television and shit uh, just awesome awesome things <laughs> The good old Norio Wakamoto self made a <laughs> made a fair sound effects. Uh, if you've ever seen that, uh, seen that guy act in the Japanese uh, in the Japanese version, it's he does the same pretty much. He's done a lot of weird voice actors. He usually does bad guys, but he also has voiced he has voiced a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, like so, literally, the entire show is just him making <laughs> making bike sounds. <laughs> It's great. But yeah, no, like, this is, this was supposed to be horror, like a horror mystery, but in the dub it's just a complete comedy. Nothing is serious. Stuff happens, but I mean, like, I still don't even properly understand, like, I understand, like, it's a haunted school building because of some shit, like, always somebody's like, yeah, fuck it, who cares? This person claimed to have sealed ghosts here? Fuck it, let's destroy it, because that's, <laughs> we don't want to have it here anymore, it's, it ruins the landscape, let's just release the ghosts again. Ghosts aren't real anyways, and then, guess what? They are, because this is fiction, they're always real, but, uh, stuff like that, and then they have, the kids have to go and reseal it, and then it's just, kind of that stupid thing, was like, they have the essential guide to how to seal, uh, ghosts with them, uh, in the book that, uh, Sasuke's mother wrote, and it's just like, like with anything, that's obviously the last thing they ever care to look at, even though that's always a joke in the dub. It's just like, should you just, I don't know, look in the book? Oh yeah, I do have that. Huh? I guess retardation runs in the family. <laughs> it's just fucking, it's all over the place, and that's, that's what makes it fun. So, uh, not at all a good show, but the dub makes this show, uh, easily. So, yeah. If you're gonna watch it, watch it dubbed. If you don't like watching dubs, it, still watch it dubbed or just ignore it. It's not, it's not a good show. It's just a good dub. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've only seen about two or three episodes of it. It always seems to come up like every year. It's like, hey guys, what are we gonna watch? Yeah, let's watch the Ghost Stories dub. And you always end up watching the first two episodes. And you go, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> nah, man, I watched all twenty and like. Two settings or three settings or something like that. It's just ah, uh, I like it. It's not often I laugh even during comedies, but this is just so. This is just fucked up humor. That is so up my alley. It's so. absurd. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it's straight up fucked up. <laughs> okay. Uh. Now I'll play a drop. Here we go. <laughs> 
Hickey, Mangamon will check out. Take it away. All right. Uh, this is a segment where each episode, me and JD will highlight a manga manga or webtoon uh, for a few chapters. This is our 21st checkout, uh, and it's it's a very serious uh, manga, of course, to pair up with Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> Uh, and we'll be talking about interspecies reviewers. Uh, <laughs> uh, hold on, let me just uh, recover from that. Uh, by the artist Masha and written by <laughs> Amahara. This manga was serialized first in DRA, DRA Sharp Sharp. <laughs> Great magazine. <laughs> yeah. Draw, draw, sharp. Pound sign, draw, draw, sharp, hashtag, whatever you want to call that symbol. Yeah. It's sharp, sharp, though. Was released in July 9, joke, yeah. 2016, and currently it has two volumes. And there's a there's a anime coming out next season. Uh, I don't know who highlighted this anime, but man, I will watch it. <laughs> so yeah, the, the summary from Anime Planet, JD put in, in here says beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder that is well <laughs> from oh yeah yeah from elves to sukubi to cyclops and more the you yoruno gloss reviewers are here to rate the red light delights of all manner of monster girls the only thing is they can never agree on each species is the hardest that is, I yeah, know that problem. That is, if if you own the the physical copy of Monster Grow Encyclopedia, like I do, you know that this. No, just kidding. Uh, As we all do, it's just oh, right yeah, on the bookshelf over here. Yeah, let me just grab that. Just, yeah, <laughs> together with my Catch in the Rye in 1984, it's just it's just there. <laughs> just right with, up there with, with the classical yeah. literature, kind of of place in my shelf. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, it's a good it's a good summary, but uh, basically we follow uh, two adventures and an angel because you know that happens. Uh, Stunk the human, Zell the elf, and Krimavel the angel. And what happens is uh, Zell and Stunk they are friends. They go on adventures together, and they're very decent adventures we learned that uh, they are actually very powerful but they come to a quarrel over which is better a 500 year old elf which looks 20 or a 50 year old human <laughs> prostitute so they decided to you know go on with uh, with each one of them and do a review for that, they chose two friends to do it as well, to be, you know, uh, as as more uh, impartial and have more opinions over it. And they made a chart with these opinions in post in, in the tavern, where people could read. What happened was, that was extremely popular, and they started having, uh, like, uh, winning money over it. So they decided to, you know, why would I go out, risk my life on an adventure 
if I can just go to the red light district, choose a monster girl, make a review and win money out of it. Makes a lot of sense. And they decided to do that. Uh, after that, they encountered the angel, <laughs> Cromerville, and just defile it by <laughs> making him go on the, the sex adventures with them. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is a fun one. It was definitely very interesting. Uh, it's it's definitely really funny, but holy crap, is it wordy? And the text yes, is really yes. small. Uh, the two authors, the the writer and the uh, <laughs> the uh, the artist, which I think he does a few hentai from time to time. Shockingly, of know. course he does. Uh, they are very passionate about it. Like highly oh, passionate yeah. <laughs> about it because when you you start reading it yes it's very wordy uh but usually it's impressions of the characters of whatever is going on uh <laughs> and then you get to the reviews and the reviews were like almost 10 line longs <laughs> of reviewing the, the 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 sex and prostitutes so it's like they had to choose a monster girl they have to do research they have to think about the opinions of four uh four characters with uh, different personalities and uh preferences in girls and their species of origin and being different species as well and they did a bunch of refills out of it it's it's a lot of passion (laughs) there's a lot of thought that went into how to incorporate species-on-species action. Uh, They even go as far as to give a reason why all these brothels can actually function in society. It's just right away. Go, well, I mean, you go back like ten generations and, uh, you know, all the the succubi in the world started integrating with all the other species and now everyone's got some succubi in them and based on law, if you're a succubi, you can... You can legally have sex for for uh, for for desire, so prostitution is now legal. And since every species had now has a succubi in them, ah, they're all legal now. So there you go. It makes okay. sense. I guess I guess that makes sense. You know, <laughs> it's oh man, it's so good. It's honestly, it's highly interesting. It's very fun, uh, especially if you like monster girls, which is my case. Uh, by the end of chapter volume two, it starts a little arc on the the pure succubus. Like JD said, most of the species have succubus uh, traits in it because of uh, inter interracial, yeah, interspecies species relationships. relationships. <laughs> but you still have the true succubus, and they go to that place. And there's you know the uh, it's uh, actually a trap city where uh, not trap in in the Wave meaning of trap, uh, where they they assign a succubus to you and they uh, you live together with her for a week, but you get you know uh, they they do they try to make you never leave the city and spend your money there and keep sucking your life. So yeah, it's it's a very it's it's a very fun manga. I recommend it to everyone who's above eighteen and <laughs> really really like. Oh, it's that. De- well, you know what? Right, 16. Sixteen because yeah, I will it's not say porn sixteen yet. Okay, so 
I pulled up probably one of my favorite panels that I came across. My favorite chapter was the fairy one. I'll get into that in a second. But my favorite panel was definitely the uh, the demons want you to vote because, and they're also tired of being in the top five must uh, most unmarriageable unmarriageable species list. So then, right here they have listed the top five and why they are unmarriageable. So number five is reptilians. They smell like fish, incompatible bodies. They don't move all day. <laughs> number four is snow women. They're cold, bad personalities. Seriously, bad personality. <laughs> uh, three is fire spirits. Hot, can't hold them. Burn your house down. <laughs> Two is demons, they're selfish, they seem abusive, and they have scary auras. So they're not actually bad, it's just preconception. Um, number one is the undead. Uh, just can't. They stink, not feeling the Dude, bones uh, either. Now that I think about it, there's a chapter where they go to, they are invited to a vampire uh, mansion, and they actually go to a undead, <laughs> undead brothel. Uh, it's great. The the human review is yeah. great because he he chooses the the attendant, which is a zombie girl. <laughs> He's like, oh, you know what? It's a little bit cold. If if the if the day was a little bit warm, I think it would be nice, especially in summer, because she she has a great personality and she can like change body parts. And like, okay, cool. I was like, but the day was a little bit cold and it was cold inside. My little my little guy didn't want you cooperate. I was like, oh my god. Dude, the amount of thought that goes into this. There, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, detail there. Uh, but the fairy, fairy chapter was my favorite, where they, they, um, they're just like, oh man, what about fairies? They're, they're kind of an exotic group. They have this picture in their mind. They get there, and the fairy that's like running the desk looks like it's strung out on drugs. <laughs> it's like smoking a pipe. I could just picture. The fairy with like a raspy voice, like, "All right, boys, what do you okay. got?" <laughs> Time for measurement. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so they not only do they have to be measured, um, so they have to measure everyone's cocks to make sure that they're um, they're not gonna like. Well, okay, the fairies are small and they're petite, so they can't handle a big cock, right? So they got to measure you, and along with you have to pay a like entry fee or re no registration fee and it's uh so uh they all first complain that the registration fee is is pretty steep so you can't even get it get in there without doing that so they all get measured the human he's like ah oh, you can only have these two people and they're like fat and old and kind of big so hey, he's man, like ah oh, what's the fucking point got that's a stupid nice dick. <laughs> just like the angel got, the yeah angel, no one i think he's said, yeah <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. So, you're getting ahead of yourself. So it's just you so great. the um, so the so the elf gets like he only can go like half of them, and then it goes to the uh, the halfling, which I actually found kind of the most interesting. It's uh, what was it, half fairy, half human, or something, something like that. So he's he's a bit on the smaller side, just in general, and uh, because of his motions, he's or because of his half blood he's um i don't know he's all of his reviews were very like average like nothing really sticks out to him there's always a problem and then it gets to the angel who's a hermaphrodite uh and 
the fairy just goes, sorry, bud. You, no one, no, no one can handle you. And they all just go, what? So then they cut to the bar. I'm like, why? Why was he so disappointed? And then just shows the human guy. Um, Stunk. What's his name? Stunk. He just puts out his finger, like he puts out his fingers in measurements of like two feet long. He's like, dude. Yeah, and they, everyone looks at, looks at the bulge <laughs> as he flies. The the massive bulge as as he's oh, bending man, over, serving drinks, and they're just like, Jesus. It's so fun, like honestly. Even the even after the voting, where they like they 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 get a coupon, a discount coupon for the demo hole, and they decide they decided to go to a cowgirl instead. Uh, dude, there's there's so many. Yeah, the t- the 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 big titties walk by, and they're just like, you know what, we're going to the titties. So Tori, I think you'd like this manga. Oh, I will. Yeah, you should you should have read it read oh, this yeah, with us. It's... You missed out. Nah, it's okay. It is very good, especially if you like Monster Girls and appreciate the art of someone who really, really puts a lot of thought of things you you put in yourself. <laughs> I don't know, man. I when I listen to this, all I can think of is these are the sort of guys who go on porn sites and go into the review section at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, kinda. I think no. I think it's more like a food <laughs> review kind of thing. That's the same thing. I mean, fuck it. That's <laughs> what they do. It's just that they review poor. These guys review prostitutes. They review food. Who cares what it they, is? They won a lot of money. I, they I, actually I, pointed out. It's like, holy shit. That is a lot of money for just that one shit of paper. Because they they put a lot of copies. Well, they, they, they drag the angel. Copies, but still, it's like, goddamn. Yeah, they drag the angel with them. And uh, the angel the, the angel goes... I don't know, you know, maybe it was just the one time. Then he, then he, she gets paid, and he's, and he's just like flabbergasted by how much money he has. And then he goes, "Shit, I could do that all the yeah, time." Yeah, he, he actually becomes <laughs> a bracket uh, and it's, it's really funny because like he's an <laughs> yeah. angel and he's like, "Oh no, I've been defiled by prostitutes." But like ten chapters after that, Stunk and uh, Zell are just walking through the red light and see him coming out of. <laughs> <laughs> coming out of a, a brothel, and they're like, "Oh, I see, I see now. You're one of you, one of us. You're one of us." Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I think my favorite review was definitely when they went to the octopus chick area. It was like the sea, the uh, the sea brothel. It's like they they go into I, I, ever since Trident took over for, for for Poseidon from Poseidon it was uh you know all the all the sea dwelling creatures are now freed of Rome and we could all have sex with them isn't that great oh I love Trident he's such a good ruler uh, and then they they do the review over the octopus chick and my God they all kind of had the the same thing it's like man if you're into suction play the fetish level is is sky high but. You know, if you're married, you got to be careful because those those uh, suction wounds will will be on you for at least three days. So you know, your own oh, yeah. risk. <laughs> like my God, the the writing thought and detail went into this is is th- this has no business being at the level it it, I don't it like, is. You see, <laughs> you know, it's it's silly. And they all rate everything on a scale of zero to ten. Yeah, it's very silly <laughs> and, and everything else. But like, when when you stop and stop like laughing or being outrageous by, oh no, they're reviewing prostitutes out there. They, uh, it's actually there's a lot of information. It's packed with a lot of information. Oh man, it's a weird thing. <laughs> it's really really weird. <laughs> oh, I love this. Uh, ten out of ten. 
<laughs> it was it was surprisingly enjoyable. Uh, I I went into this being like Hickey, what if you what have you done? Why do I have to read this? And it turns out wasn't that bad. It was uh, it was. Gee, exactly you need quite to fun. trust me so, more. You guys don't trust me. Look, just because Saikano is one of our most downloaded episodes doesn't mean I enjoyed the show. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Trust me when I actually <laughs> reveal <laughs> things or just. Uh, <laughs> I recommend things for, you know, not for a joke, but for real, like Bebop High School and Interspecies Reviewers. You you are on a winning streak lately. I will admit sure. that. In my eyes, I've never, I've never. You're, you're, you might be, you might be batting five hundred now. Fine. So. In my eyes, I've, I've always been in the winning streak, but that's okay. That's that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just your mind. All right, shall we get to the serious show, the big topic at hand? But this wasn't a serious show. This was not the serious topic at hand. Damn. Okay, let me play the drop, we can move on. (laughs) Now, it's time we start dealing with the business at hand. Boys and girls, it is now time to review Legend of the Galactic Heroes Part 2. Episodes 27 through 54. We'll be at the halfway point in the show. Hooray! It's a year, year-long year quest in the making. Studio Artland and a couple others helped. Artland, also known for Mushishi, and I believe the studio is now debunked as well. Mm-hmm. Bankrupt. Director is Noboru Ishiguro, whom you might remember from, obviously, Part 1 of Legend of Galactic Heroes, but also Macross, which we reviewed pretty recently few episodes ago. Uh, <clears throat> I found it interesting that all of Part 2 was released in a six-month span from June to December in 1991, even though it took almost a decade for the whole series to come out in its little OVA form. The show does span 110 episodes, and I think I speak for us all when I say highly recommend going back and listen to our review on Part 1 back in Episode 39 of the Redley Fretcher cast. Yes. Agreed? Yeah, sure. You know, (laughs) it's 24 episodes packed with a lot of political things. Uh, 26. eh, Really doesn't matter. Uh, What what matters is Mm -hmm. there's a lot of political things and political movements and uh, chess plays and uh, army maneuvers and everything else. It's highly complex, so... I think we gave a good uh, synopsis of everything that happens in episode 1 to 26 uh, with motivations and everything. And it's interesting. It, yeah. it, so it's important just, uh... to understand what is going on since this show is a little bit special. Uh, they really put a lot of thought in the background and the basis of the show. So, yeah. you know, it, it's interesting to understand what is going on going forward. Okay, so summary from, uh, I went to uh, Ginipedia. I don't know how to pronounce that at all. Uh, but anyway, G-I-N-E-I-P-A-E-D-I-A. Uh, the 28-episode second part, or season two, if you will, covers volumes three to five of the original novels. Reinhard von Lohengram, 
achieves almost all of his goals. The Golden Bound Dynasty is finally overthrown, and the Free Planet Alliance is defeated and occupied. One of the main themes is the comparison between a corrupt democracy and an efficient dictatorship, and the moral issues of such a situation, with Yang Wenli standing uh, for democracy because a corrupt democracy can be abandoned, while a dictatorship can only be overthrown by force, and a wise dictator is an exception to the rule. So that's kind of our, that that's where season two is, part two, arc two. Uh, so just to recap part one a bit, to get us all back up to speed, the Empire is slowly seeing a the rise of Reinhard, Reinhard von Lohengram uh, and his eventual appointment as Prime Minister while serving concurrently as the Supreme Commander of the Imperial Forces, effectively becoming the de facto ruler of the Empire. Uh, meanwhile, on the opposite side, uh, Yang Wenli destroys the Artemis Necklace, that's the uh, the big weapon protecting Heineson, the home planet of uh, the Alliance, due to the National Salvation Army's coup on the Free Planet Alliance's homeland. The coup is stopped, and Job, Job Trunicht, uh, he's the president, if you will, he's hidden by members of the terrorist church, and he comes back to power afterwards. Yang Wenli went from a foot soldier of sorts to gaining high military command of the forces. Last, uh, finally seen movement of the neutral planet Phazon, Switzerland, if you will, in space, and its sneaky leader, Adrian Rubinsky. And we wouldn't be hyped for part two here without the crazy cliffhanger of Reinhardt's right-hand, right-hand man's death protecting the assassination attempt on Reinhardt, uh, that's Kierkeis, putting motion uh, to Reinhardt taking power, and at the same time, uh, essentially, he's put in isolation, if you will. Uh, a lonely leader, that kind of arc. Uh, we get the amazing last quote, which I wrote down here, from uh, Siegfried Kierkeis to Reinhardt von Lohengram in his dying moments. Lord Reinhardt, please win the universe. Tell Lady Anna Rose that Sieg has kept his promise from the past. So this just devastates Reinhardt to a level uh, beyond his comprehension. And it's not until uh, one of his commanders, uh, Ober Oberhausen, I think that's his name, uh, kind of slaps some, slaps some sense into him. And that's when Reinhardt goes full on, I'm going to be a dictator to control the universe. <clears throat> so there you go. That's our, that's our recap. And... Uh, I have a lot of information down just of the political discourse, the slow-moving parts, how everything kind of comes together, and it, it almost feels like part two is a massive setup for the entire second half of the show. And it's very well done. Uh, it really gets you uh, some background on some characters. It gets you knowing uh, who should be some of the characters you're paying attention to going forward in the show, the rise of certain characters, and kind of the fall as well. Uh, where should we take this from here? Shall I just continue with the first paragraph that I have written down here? Sure. Okay. So we're getting movement from Phazon to interfere in the Galactic War and remove Yang. So that's their motivation here. Uh, Rubinsky's motivation in particular. Uh, he his goal is to take over as galactic leader. 
It's the slow build of the new characters taking over, such as backgrounds on uh, Wolfgang Mittermeier and Oscar von uh, von Royenthal. That's uh, the two high commanders under Reinhardt. We get Julian Mintz having his first battle along with the Ezerlone Corridor under Dusty Attenborough's command. So that's from the Alliance side. Julian Mintz is kind of Yang's... Uh, understudy it's also his adopted son uh, so basically Adri- the adrian rubinsky plan is to use the terrorist church uh, to destroy the alliance from the inside and have the empire take over and unify the galaxy then his group will come in to topple the empire's administration how exactly he's going to topple the empire administration isn't totally clear but that is their goal um, yeah, I mean, seemingly, it seems like he's going to be using the uh, uh, Earth Church uh, for that, from what I understand. Like, because, I mean, the interesting part about Fasan and Rubinsky is that there is, like, <laughs> there is some man playing 4D chess. <laughs> uh, I mean, they pretty much all are, but, like, I mean, at this point, it's like he has so mo- many moving parts. And uh, as part two, uh, part two of this also shows us that even in his own group, in his own government, uh, more specifically his own son, is also kind of scheming behind the scenes against him. Even though, as we also realize that he is very much on top of that too. So yeah, Rubinsky's an yeah. interesting guy. <laughs> Rubinsky is is not messing around. Uh, he's definitely the most interesting kind of third party. In an anime I've seen in a long time. Uh, and yes, I have seen the show uh, prior to the podcast, but I did wa- watch this again. And it's still just very interesting to see how Rubinsky... Uh, want, he he uses Phazon as that third party. Uh, because in space, uh, in this universe, there's only two ways you can get uh, from... It's There's two paths... Because of, I guess, galactic or um, what's the word I want to want to use? Uh, due to let's call it the 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 space corridor. Due to travel issues, you know, you, whether it's asteroids or black holes or what have you, you can only go these two ways. One way is blocked off, uh, by a Death Star of sorts in the Ezerlone Corridor. And then the other way is Phazon, which is totally neutral, and you can't just go through their way without breaking international treaty law. It's a trade route only. It's a trade route only, and that's where Phazon comes in. So the moving pieces in the part is amazing because the... On each side plus Phazon, they have their issues they're working out. On the Alliance side, you have the top officials being jealous of Yang. uh, And instead of focusing on the war, they want to publicly shame him. So it's very democratic to a T, right? (laughs) You see it. I mean, I see it in my own government in the United States. Instead of caring about their own countries, all they want to do is shame shame political uh, leaders of the opposite side. That's all they want to do all the time. So, all while the Empire is successfully putting in a warp drive on their own Death Star to fuck up Ezerlone. So, <laughs> we, 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 we know the, the true motivations of each side. The, the democracy is 
busy being distracted and the empire's like dude we gotta we gotta get our shit together <laughs> mm. i mean it is like it is a very interesting uh interesting part especially when it comes to the democratic side because a lot of the time i mean obviously you'll hear the uh the saying like uh yeah keep your enemies close but you're uh, sorry keep your friends close but your enemies closer uh and a lot of times that that really does apply to and especially in this show too uh the democracy side because it really is like while obviously you'd think that the huge intergalactic war is like problem number one but to most of the poli- uh, politicians on the uh, democratic side it is really the furthest problem they have because they're not involved in that they have to worry about all the people who are involved in that and are gaining popularity among the people because those are dangerous to them so they like it especially young him being literally being forward as a hero and you know the uh democratic leaders they are not having that that is hugely dangerous to their rule <laughs> well there's a lot of a lot of lines uh spoken uh in terms of uh democratic leaders and military generals and and young makes it very clear that he can't stand political leaders that order people to go out and die for the sake of their freedom and yet yes. the government officials take all the credit and the glory and, and then there's another leader on the democratic side who says something along the lines of of uh, he he agrees with yang um he says what does he say he says uh i wish i wrote that quote down <laughs> he said let me let me think about it for a second he says Um, it's not, it's not us that self brands our glory. It's, it should be up to the people and we're supposed to serve, uh, cause Yang calls them essentially parasites. So he agrees yes. that they're, yeah. he agrees the that interrogation they're parasites. thing. Yeah. 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 He agrees that yes, we are in fact parasites cause our, our true only job is to distribute taxes, make sure everything's flowing well, not not make ourselves celebrities essentially (laughs) while and and i'm thinking like oh my god you know just compare that to the american government where you have guys like trump and uh bernie sanders and and all these people trying to brand themselves as celebrities to get votes for the people rather than be just appointed officials and do their fucking job i'm like my god is that just not Comparable to a oh, T. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy was 100% fired. <laughs> and yeah, and, and what happens when that guy doesn't make himself a celebrity? He's immediately outed. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Nah, but I mean, like, there are, obviously, there are so many, like, parts to this. And this is why, uh, this is why I don't envy people who want to go into politics because politics is messy. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, it's not, it's no, not clean. It doesn't matter if it's real life it's or fiction. never going to be clean. It will always be messy. Yeah. I mean, fi- at least with fiction, you can properly highlight a lot of the, like... Um, yeah, you see what's hidden. Uh, For example, the, the 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 Earth cultists being behind a lot of things in, in Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And how they can tape the, the mm. scale of war. So, like, you see those kind of things. Of course, in real life, you don't see those kind of movements. Uh, but, yeah, it, 
Right, you only you only see the action in the end. You don't see the the moving parts actually go. Like we're not in reality, we're not looking at the uh uh the mechanism. Oh, fuck. Uh we're not looking at we're not looking at the the mechanisms of ISIS moving throughout like s- southeastern Turkey after Turkey. Uh, Trump pulls as Trump pulls the troops, right? We're not we're not seeing all those pieces be moved afterwards. We only see the end result after the troops have been pulled kind of deal. Just just to compare it to today's politics where we're at right now. Why'd you have to bring that up? That just makes me mad. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true, right? No, it, it is, it is, it is. That, but yeah, no, that, this isn't about real politics. This is about fake politics. Uh, but yeah, no, like it is, it is really good. It is a really good, uh, obviously, World War II and World War in general is huge for this. This show, sure. it bases a lot of this on that, so it has a, it already has a strong background, a strong fa- foundation for this, and uh, so that's one of the things that the show does really well, right? Because it's not like it's not like it has to go and like create political tension and create situations from nothing. They can borrow situations that happen and kind of just parallel them and then give them like a new spin with new new factions and. Uh, new outcome so that's that's an interesting way of doing it that is uh that's a good that's a uh, decent way of like using history to uh to a good effect to create a plot like alternate history alternate history rather than you know what we usually get with alternate history shows which is uh japan hey, won hey, the war hey, hey. man in the high castle <laughs> is a very good book okay uh. <laughs> sure but then there's all the other ones. Yeah, no, like, it's... Man, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, uh, it's... Yeah, it makes a very good summary of human history and human politics through history. Uh, the democracy, the, mm. the battles, the... I'll put a lot of constitutional the laws and in, in, in the middle of it, but that's okay. Uh, the, the democracy being based on the democratic and social tissue uh, of laws while the, the empire has a set of rules in society that don't apply to mm-hmm. the of, of this fabric of democ- democracy. And by one side, you have Reinhardt just going in and just cutting off this tissue and substituting it to its own. While in the in the Republic, the aliens, if you stretch it enough, you will break something you shouldn't break, and that is really hard to recover. That we see with, with well, a lot of a lot a lot of this discourse. Um with the the fall of the the falling of the alliance is because in season 1 in part 1 uh they used so many resources people money supplies to go invade the empire during their little civil war and if we remember correctly yang was like, no, that's gonna fuck us oh, hard. I remember the right? the connections between and Nazi German uh, deciding, of course, Nazi German shouldn't couldn't win the war anyway. But like they did because they didn't have enough resources and manpower and everything else. Uh, also, 
uh, industrial capability, and we see the same thing here, where the aliens, although it's very good defending itself, it doesn't have the manpower, doesn't have the support, doesn't have the resources, right. while the empire, you have the obligation to fight, you have the obligation to help the empire. There are different social tissues, uh, and uh, it's it's a mistake to just go in on offense when you cannot. <laughs> But of course, in the aliens, you still yeah, have uh, some groups of interesting uh, interest working behind the scenes to destabilize it and start a revolution. <clears throat> what do we see in South America today? Uh, and you know, it's <laughs> it's different from the logic of the empire, right? Because then you have a huge civil war. While you are at at a war, <laughs> it's it's a really bad thing to happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I love, I love how during all this inquiries happening, and Yang is, uh, well, non surprisingly frustrated. He's pissed off. Uh, he hates the fact that the democracy way that he loves so much is just filled with all this red tape and trying to de- uh, defame people. And um, this this is probably my second favorite line in the entire part. And that's uh, during the inquiry, Yang says, Can't I get you to order me to retire? Okay. Right? Because mm. the people want to defame him, but they know he has so much skill and they need him because he's like he's the whole reason why the alliance hasn't fallen yet. They just can't fire him, right? Yeah. And... <laughs> So they just want to de- defame him. The whole purpose was stupid. And Yang's like, "Can't you just? Can't we just end this? Just, just yeah. make me retire." Like, and seriously. just like always, when he tries to hand it a letter of resignation, no. nope, yeah, you're going back. And that's the first <laughs> thing he says in the first episode. I just want to retire, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, I just want to read my history yeah, books and sip tea. My like, brandy, brandy tea. tea. He's like, man, like, I, I, I'm not really fit for war. <clears throat> sure. But it's like I'm, I just want to retire, like especially when after uh, his best friend fucking dies, disintegrated in space. I was like, man, I I really don't want that happening to me, and it's you know I just I I'm I'm done. But he keeps going. He keeps yeah. going because he knows. Yeah. He even he even says like his he he he's not successful. He's just. He just knows history, and he just uses that to his advantage. That's that's his whole deal, and he mm-hmm. he hates the fact that he has to. It's his responsibility to send troops to to die for for war. So he feels it's his fault. He takes a lot of responsibility, and he really doesn't want it. Uh, but he's forced into all these positions. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, now, I mean, on the Empire side. I, I understand it, right? Because yeah. one of the most difficult things to do. Right, is and obviously, like you said, he's most already voiced his uh, displeasure of this. It's that like taking on that role of being the one who uh, orders others to die, right, for glory, for whatever, right? And you, you go die now, right? And you see that glory it's not, for the it's pro- not just proletariat. <laughs> yeah, but it's not just him, right? You see this with a lot of people. You see, this, especially they highlight that a lot with the older uh, military officials, right? Whenever something happens, whenever they're about to lose, whenever they're about to get caught, their first reaction is always just to like, uh, or always, but like, there's always just like, okay, we're we're losing now. It's time for me to go kill myself. And at a glance, 
That can look like, you know, the cowardly way out. It's like, oh yeah, of course, now you're about to lose, you would end, end your life. But it's like, uh, who, who was it that said that? Uh, it was either... Are, I mean, there's a number of characters that have similar lines like that. There's no, I B- know, but there was there was Bukok one specific and, who wanted Bukok to. There's and Mercot, Mercots on I think it was Mercots, yes. Side. Yeah, Mercots, because he was the one who said that, like, he uh, wouldn't, uh, or it wasn't, it was to, uh, he wanted to atone for, to the families of the people who, uh, whose men he had sent to die, right? Right. And the, it's like, how can, uh, how can I do that? Well, I can, I really can't. The only thing I can do is lay down my life, which he was obviously... Uh, talked out of doing, but uh, still, right? Like it's it's an interesting it's an interesting way of looking at it. So, uh, just just to catch us up where we're at now in the story is, um, the Empire successfully gets their warp drive on their own Death Star. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's like. Let's call it Gynax. <laughs> I know it starts with a G. Was it Geyersburg or something? Geyersburg, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, 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 and they immediately get uh, put on an offensive to uh, to mess up Ezerlone, you know. <clears throat> and uh, this is one of our like two battles we get in the entire part, which is which was quite interesting considering part one was very battle heavy. Uh, to get us to know the strategies and how each each um, party functions in battle, who's who are the generals we need to care about, kind of deal. While part two, yes, there's there's two big battles and they're very important, but it's more about the political movements on both sides. So it's it's very much a lot more word heavy uh, in this part of the story. Yes, it is. Is it when we learn the actual motivation between the third party as well? Like, become the the holy orphan buyer or something like that? <laughs> um, that's not until, I think, the oh. start of part three is yeah, where we finally yeah. learn that. Uh, but we do see the connection between Faison, uh, Rubinsky's connection with the... Uh, the Earth Goat. Uh, the, let's the, just call them that. The, the the earth the Terra the cult of Terra or whatever it's called the the the, the terrorist church so <clears throat> uh, just basically what happens in the battle uh, at Ezerlone between the two Death Stars is it's funny because both despite Yang and Reinhardt both knowing what they should have done right away and that is to ru- run Geiersberg into Ezerlone destroying both uh, Death Stars, right? But the foot soldiers all can can only think about uh, one thing. The Empire wants to capture Ezerlone or destroy it and take over the corridor so they have free reign. Or, on Attenborough's side, the Alliance side, is to protect Ezerlone and protect their corridor that they've captured. Rather than destruction, they want the uh, essentially a battle of attrition. Because that's what's happening, which we saw a lot in part one, is always yeah, a battle of attrition. Was the, so it's the, it's interesting. The actual function of Isolov in the first place to force a battle of attrition, right? Uh, but what ends up happening is uh, the 
the total destruction of Easter loners. That come later. No, that comes later. That comes later. Mm, that comes later. Uh, so essentially, Geiersberg does get destroyed uh, from mishaps that happened during the battle. Uh, Yang comes in, he destroys it. So <laughs> uh, our next big event is Reinhard announces that Erwin uh, Yosef II has been kidnapped by the government in exile, denounces the kidnapping act and uh, collaboration with the alliance as cowardly and illegal, effectively declaring war on the alliance. So even though they've been at war this whole time, this is a huge political move by Reinhardt to get the people firmly behind him. Uh, and he basically allows Erwin Yosef II. He's... he's part of the original Golden Bound Dynasty. Uh, he's the essentially the next in charge. He just goes, yeah, you know what? I'm going to let this kidnapping happen to my own political advantage. And he's befriended uh, Mariendorf uh, of sorts. She, They have a close relationship that ends up happening. Um, you know, king and queen kind of deal. That's that they're hinting at. And she noticed, she's like, you let that happen. He just kind of has that smile on his face. Like, yeah, I did. <laughs> Cause I'm Reinhardt. I'm a, I'm a sneaky guy. I'm really smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause he, he knew he couldn't get the people behind him fully because he's not part of, you know, the golden bound dynasty. He's, he's, uh, He's just a military leader that's kind of taken power. You know, he he needs some way for him to get the people by inside, behind its side to declare war on the Alliance and to get all the, the ships and power he needs to invade Alliance territory. And this was the perfect maneuver to do it, which is very much a heavy parallel to what happened in World War II. <coughs> okay, he's dying. That's it. It's over. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I was sick for like 10 days and just getting over it. So, forgive my coughing, Fitz, <laughs> if you can. Ah. Uh, so that that's not my favorite. It, it's probably my least favorite like episode chain of the of the part, uh, but it does have a very important purpose and it sets up what's to come. Uh, from there. Who's stealing yeah, your know. car, Hickey? It's not my car. It's just a random car in the street. Because that <laughs> happens. God damn. Someone's upset uh, Flamingo lost the big game today. <laughs> so they're just tipping cars, destroying light and dumpsters yeah, on fire. Probably. Just ignore it. See? It's done. Okay. <laughs> it's been stolen now. It's okay. Probably. So I'm, I'm curious to what you guys thought over, over uh, episode 40. It's called, uh, it's titled Julian's Journey, Mankind's Journey. And it's... The, oh, the recap it, episode, or the history. Well, uh, well it's episode. it's not even, a, it's not truly, uh, this is like the because best it, example it, of it becomes what a recap, recap episode is. Because of, uh, because of how it kind of, uh, we have already been introduced to tidbits of human history, usually through conversation, mm -hmm. uh, but this is like the proper, like, uh, this is like the proper sit down at school, like here's history lesson, yeah. <laughs> lesson type yeah. of boring announcer guy talking in a monotone voice about about the history of uh, humanity and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting 
it's interesting. Um, as far as uh, recap, eps- recap, quote unquote, episodes go, I it's not the worst. I didn't dislike it, but it is also one of those things. Was like, it definitely feel like I don't. It didn't. It wasn't necessarily what I was looking for at the time. Uh, so I guess timing wise, okay. I wasn't really that interested. Because it but comes it's nice. right it's nice after the declaration of war on the alliance through yes. the kidnapping, and right before the alliance uh, launches their operation to invade. Mm. So, um, just just so the audience knows and and remembers, it's the historical documentary with the establishment of the Gal- uh, Galactic Federation uh, and humanity's continued expansion into space to the eventual formation of the Free Planet Alliance when they uh, break from the uh, dictatorship control and uh, it continues on to their first conflict with the Empire. So it, it gives you a historical explanation of why all this is happening. And I think it, like, my personal opinion is I think it gives us a lot of good background on why and how uh, the dictatorship came to be in the first place of the whole Goldenbaum dynasty mm-hmm. and why the Free Planet Alliance is as important to the war as it is. Uh, Hickey, what what did you think of the uh, of this particular I agree episode? With Dory. I think the timing is not okay. the best one. Well, when should it have occurred? Like at the start of the show? Honestly, I think Never. probably <laughs> after the fall of the the Free Planet Alliance. I think it will be better. Uh, than where it, where it was because yeah. it's, it feels a little bit dislocated. Uh, you already know what happened. Uh, they they gave you a lot of things in in the past forty episodes. You understand? They yeah, gave you the summary of the Empire, it. <laughs> then something happened. You don't need to know exactly what happened, but then the Free Alliance be- uh, became you know uh, what it is. Conquering the the becoming the last few planets, uh, then by conquer became the the free alliance, uh, and you know uh, all the things in, with Isalon from they don't explain where the the third party comes from, which is good because this one explains why. You have what is the name of the corridor they use? Uh, no, Isalon. They explain, yeah, they explain where oh, Faison, Faison comes Corner, from, yeah. um, but it's a f- it's really good. I don't mind. I just think the timing was odd. Also, I think it's very good okay. because it contributes for for the feeling of Legend of Galactic Heroes being actually a documentary of you you've seen in the future, right? After everything has after everything has passed, just like we said in the first uh, cast of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, this episode feels like the first volume of the the set of the commentaries, right? And we are going through the, <laughs> not even the second volume, but the third volume, where the a huge chapter in that story ends. I think because we are seeing the the end of an era. It would be better if that documentary piece, the piece was after the break, like the the fall of the Free Alliance, since we we won't talk about it, but we also have the 
a, another party's surging, which is the Isolor Republic. Uh, that's a little bit for you know, yeah, later, but it's a little bit later, yeah. you know, it's it's another chapter of said history. So it, it will be interesting to see that recap a little bit after, but it's still a very good episode. Okay, uh, it doesn't. So it's many yeah, good, it's history a good history lesson. lesson. It doesn't have it yeah. doesn't have any preparation for it. It comes out of kind of nowhere, but it's still a very good episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, if you're saying it, it, it would come after uh, the fall of the alliance, which is what we're slowly building towards, then that would either end the season. Or be the start of the next one. Yeah, and between mm-hmm. both of them would be getting this history lesson. Okay. Instead of yeah, because I think that's better than like in the middle. Because like, while I understand why they would put it there, since uh, Julian is currently traveling, so there's a bit of dead time there. I can sort of, I can kind of understand why exactly there. But it does become one of those things. Was like, it seems a little bit like all of a sudden he's like, huh? Yeah, I, I'm gonna learn some history now. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's the moving pieces here. Why Julian's leaving uh, Yang's side is because we're still getting that stupid democratic de-shaming and the de-power of Yang, which is so stupid. And trying to get rid of all of his closest key players. Yeah, and splitting them up. It's like why you're so worried about the empire like coming to wreck your ass, and yet you're still so hung up on Yang being popular. Because it's, like it's democracy, and yeah, Yang it's, oh my God. for democracy, Yang is the biggest threat. Not the not the empire, because the empire is still far away. He's keeping them away, right? So, for as far as the politicians are concerned, the empire is not really a threat. Which is why one of the reasons why the alliance falls so fucking easy when it finally gets attacked. Right? Like, no, we give up. 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 Yeah, you know, the, the biggest <laughs> like, no, problem is problems because they they were recovering from a fucking civil war, and they're like, look, we might suffer a coup, a righteous coup, yeah. because people and, will and, say, yes, young our leader, the guy who's been fighting the fucking war for us and winning everything. Yeah, I think he should be our <laughs> like outmade commander. So you know that's one of the problems. Of course, you have other problems. You have the and, you have the, the terror the cultists being spread that Yang yeah, has you have, the ambition. You have the terror cultists <laughs> behind uh, the prime minister, the the free alliance planets. Uh, right. You have a lot of things. You also have the military. The military saying, "Yeah, we should put Yang in the <laughs> in the command because you know, <laughs> guy's good." Uh, then you have a lot of tension. Like I said, the the tissue in the free alliance, the democratic and social tissue in the in the alliance, is way too stretched. And when you stretch the tissue of a democracy, it doesn't recover; it just rips. It calls a democratic right. rupture, and we are we already passed the point of the rupture because you had a civil war. What comes after it? What comes after it is a reorganization and a rebalance of power to establish a new democratic social tissue. That's what they are doing. And the best thing to do is pick on Yang, since he's one of the major players in that reorganization, and blame him of the blame him 
the destabilization or destabilization of the the free alliance free planet alliance in him because he weakens them rightful rightfully so because you know he needed to in order to stop the coup but he still weakens them so he's actually in the weaker side of the the rebalance of power and they pick on them pick on him yeah, and Yang even has lines because he 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 sees everything. Yeah, that's and he's happening, like he's right? peace because of and that. He, he has. Like, I I don't want to be yeah. anything. I just want to retire. <laughs> and he says a lot of lines uh, regarding that situ- that's that situation that's unfolding, and he constantly just he constantly just says, "I would rather see the the democracy completely fall and the nation fall." Rather than try to rebuild itself, at, re- rebuild rebuild its former self, because it'll never reach he, that. That's, right. Mm. He would rather see the dictatorship take over. That's what I'm talking over. about. Right. He sees it. It's like there's yeah. no rebalance of power. It already happened. You. It won't come back. Uh, the the laws and the constitutions, they are very important things. They're not just piece of papers, because they hold that tissue. If you stretch that enough, it won't come back. If you rupture that, it will never come back. And that's right. what he says. He you says, can't, look, you can't just glue the tissue back together. You can beat the <laughs> shit out of me. I don't care. Because I don't I don't want anything to do with that. I just want to retire. <laughs> so he's like, he's he's seeing the bad Man, move. He's the most like, unwilling. Right, we, we need to reorganize. He understands that they need to reorganize. And his way of thinking is anything is better than what they are doing right now which is beating me up because that won't lead anywhere because if in, even if there's a coup even if i become the leader i won't do shit because i don't want to it will be way too much of a hassle right. and it will be a few set of problems new problems i'll, I'll have to deal with and the population will have to deal with and new politicians will arise or out of it and everything will repeat and chaos and the empire will just come in and sweep us all which eventually happens <laughs> <laughs> right so uh that's a good segue into uh the the basically final operation of part two it's called operation ragnarok ragnarok uh, something you're <laughs> very familiar something you're familiar with tori in, in your line of uh origin <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> Yeah, but you know, back on planet Odin and Ragnarok, yeah, we we all planet see planet Odin. Okay, sure. Yeah, or is it the city of Odin? Ah, whatever. Uh, so the, Ragnarok entails the Empire striking a deal with the neutral uh, Phazon planet, so they can go through the Phazon corridor, thus invading the incredibly weakened Alliance, and and it also makes the Ezerlone, uh well, it makes it worthless since it'll no longer be that choke point in space. So, uh, the Empire has a 3-to-1 advantage in numbers for the invasion, and Yang, basically, because uh, Operation Ragnarok involves a kind of distraction point at Ezerlone, and Yang recognizes this, and he recognizes how worthless Ezerlone is, he just goes, eh, blow it up. Whatever. And uh, this now leads to Yang uh, temporarily saving the Alliance fleet, from the battle, uh, whoops, earphones came out. Uh, from the battle and uh, the, the battle at the uh, the Phazon Corridor, 
or at least near it, right after it. And shortly after this time period, Reinhardt goes down with a fever. Very important, uh, as we'll find out later, uh, why Reinhardt's health becomes a major issue. Yang goes full guerrilla warfare uh, due to this, because they're in their space, and he's just using old guerrilla tactics, trying to taunt Reinhardt into battle to kill him. Because his frame of mind is, Reinhardt is the leader, he does go into battle, if we kill the leader, essentially killing the head off the snake, uh, everyone else will go into disarray, and it'll be kind of faction warfare just trying to, uh, a new guy trying to take charge. So, trying to create that civil war within the Empire yet again. And that goes into the Battle of Vermilion from there. So, I really like the guerrilla warfare tactics. It's one of the more exciting parts of the show in general. Uh, mm. You don't know when or how Yang is going to save the Alliance next kind of situation with so many, uh, with at so much of a disadvantage now, uh, along with the political discourse within the Alliance and the supply lines being low the the uh, morale being super low, but here's Yang to the rescue as usual. <laughs> Just seeing uh, Reinhardt slowly like getting pissed off and losing his mind, so the taunting's working. Uh, this is where the Empire is kind of at a disadvantage with they're so well organized and so by the book that they can't really think for themselves a lot. You get that with Roentall, you get that with Mittermeier, a um, couple other their leaders, which uh, they end up dying because they just don't have that thinking outside the box motion. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they can't predict the, uh, predict what's happening because it's not it's not it's not how it would conventionally be done. Which I, I do find it kind of funny. It's like literally they they have lines like that as well, where it's like uh, one of the guys getting really annoyed because he was outplayed by something like that. It's not you can't even really call it strategy. But it's just because he wasn't prepared, <laughs> <laughs> and he right. knows, and he knows that it's like this isn't this isn't good. This is going to look really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we get the Battle of Vermilion, <clears throat> which is a huge moment in the entire show. This is a this is through the Fezon corridor. Now Ezerlone is is uh, is done and gone. Uh. The taunting to bring Reinhardt out in the battle has worked. Uh, however, this has led to the Royenthal fleet taking over Heinesen. I believe Mittermeier is uh, right there with him. But Royenthal uh, is the main chess piece in motion here. The bishop, if you will, that has gone across the board, despite the, the king's orders, if you will. You have uh, Mariendorf. Uh, who notices that, yes, it is, it, it, Reinhardt could die, how could I save him? And with uh, Royenthal's ambition, this is important because we got that backstory at the beginning of the part, with the two, with the two longtime friends and top generals of uh, Reinhardt, Royenthal, Royenthal's noticed to have ambition. And how do you quench the thirst of ambition well you get him a huge victory by ta by by taking over the alliance's home planet of Heinesen behind Reinhardt's back and the alliance's does an unconditional surrender and uh this is when we get uh, another important uh, decision by Yang and Yang is so 
by the, uh, he believes in democracy so much and kind of the honor behind war in a way where he could just continue the battle and kill Reinhardt. He could. His soldiers want him to do it. His generals want him to do it. And he just goes, no, no, there's no honor in that. That's not how we function. Uh, where would we be if we just start disobeying orders now? We are going to agree to the surrender and go on our merry way. However, he does have a plan, and that's how, instead of having Merikatz kill himself, as you uh, said so earlier, he yeah. gets he convinces Merikatz to leave and form a secret resistance force. And that's where part three will go into, is Merikatz's, uh, well, continuing the Alliance way, right? The Free Planet Alliance. Hmm. Uh so, you have Royenthal's quest for power being, his his thirst has been quenched. You have Mariendorf going behind Reinhardt's back, uh, and they have, now they have their uh, couple issues, you might say. Reinhardt's sick, um, or at least he's getting more and more sick as time has gone, gone by. Yang has surrendered, has agreed to the surrender. The alliance is no more, technically. And now it leads to the final episode of the arc and Yang meeting Reinhard face to face. Something we have been dying to see. This 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 meeting between the two. We got a hint of it with Yang meeting uh Kirchheis in part one, and now we have part two ending with the, the the two big galactic leaders finally meeting each other, and they have this incredible amount of respect for each other. And my favorite line from the two conversing is this is from Yang. I despise those who hide in safety while they glorify war and patriotism and send other people to the battlefield while they relax behind the lines. Something he was very adamant about during his inquiry. Uh, it is difficult to live with those people under the same flag. You are different from them. He's talking to Reinhardt. You are on the front lines, and please pardon my words, it is admirable. And Reinhardt simply goes... I understand. It is the only thing you approve of me in me after all. I am honored. So he knows Yang hates him, hates hates dictatorship, hates everything he stands for, and how he's been going about it. However, he has the balls to actually go out and do it himself on the front lines, and Yang's just like, that's good enough for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, like, there are there are a lot of, like, interesting, uh, a lot of interesting tidbits between them when they first meet. Like for example, because uh, uh, right out he wants uh, he wants Yang to join him. Oh, right? absolutely! Because he, yeah. he respect he respects him a lot, uh, but uh, obviously uh, Yang does not want to work for a dictatorship because he doesn't nope. believe in that. But I did find it very interesting when he was because what he said was like I fight for uh, democracy. Like obviously, even a broken democracy is better because it can be fixed. Yada yada. Um, yada yada. Yeah. All that. All, all that spiel. But <laughs> what he, uh, what I really like was like when he said that if he was born in the empire, he would have been fighting tooth and nail for the empire and for the dictatorship rather sure. than the democracy. But since he was uh, not, he fights for what he knows and what he believes in. And that's 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 honestly a very interesting way because he does realize he does realize that a lot of it just just come up there he be, being more comfortable with what he knows and obviously knowing history 
how dictatorships go, usually. It's, uh, so I think there's a lot of, but yeah, no, there's a lot of interesting just nuggets of wisdom that comes from that meeting with them, that conversation. So, uh. Oh, there's, there's, uh, references to the past, how they came to be. Uh, they, I believe they bring up Kirkheis and how much both of the, like, how Yang respected him and. If Kirkheis was still alive, Yang would not have been alive. (laughs) (laughs) He, yeah, he mentions that. He even even when Kirkheis dies, Yang goes, "I feel like I lost a close friend." Uh, mm. Even though they weren't it, it weren't especially close or close at all, but he recognized how important Kirkheis was to Reinhardt and how much a dictatorship relies. You know, they they reference Alexander the Great in that in that regard, where once Alexander the Great lost his right hand man, that that's when he himself went into a mental dis he went to an into mental disarray and reinhard did that exact same thing so there's a lot of alexander the great in reinhard and how they're referencing that past and and uh the the conquering of reinhard uh, how he's going about all this uh so yeah this how how the part ends with the two just having a conversation is just incredible it's it's everything you wanted it lives up to all that hype all that tension uh, going through a 50-plus episodes <laughs> just to get to a conversation of all things. You know, it's not a grand battle. It's it's not uh, an assassination. It's it's nothing like that. It's just, hey, bro, let's sit, sip some tea and talk about our ideals, you know, corrupt democracy. Rightful uh, empire. Uh, a functioning dictatorship. It's, yeah. Yeah, Dude, just all of this. It's 50 great. episodes for a dialogue. That's... Mm-hmm. That's when you know a, a show is doing really bonders with politics. Because it's so interesting. Oh. And how well yeah, it's written. Every single one of the 54 episodes so far. It's... Man, every single thing. They are all well thought. All well produced. And, yeah. The music always matches. It sticks with that high classical music. It never stops. It's always it's it's high octane classical, if you can put it that way, I guess, uh, for battles. And then, yeah, just go with it. No, no. <laughs> I was about to say it's yeah, it's classical. The, <laughs> it is classical music, but the quality it does match. doesn't drop. Like it's it's a really good series. God damn. Uh, yeah, there's. Little to no drop in quality in animation in uh, the. I I'm, I don't I'm not just, entirely uh, on board just with a little that. bit. There it happens. It happens. A lot like of, not enough uh, to be, you know, uh, relevant. At least in my opinion of what I remember. Yeah, I, well, I'm not that's, entirely. That's I don't. I'm not it's entirely not on board battle with focus that. like part one. It is not, well, no, but not even that. Like the battle itself. The battles itself aren't great pieces of animation either they're very they're very simple uh so that's that's fine it doesn't require like splendid like animation like it it's not like you're looking at like fucking like well animated like fist fights or anything like that it's it's general (laughs) just large ship shoots lasers other large ship gets hit explosion burning people dying that said the one time we finally do properly get to see people die, and they're literally cut in half, and shit like that. My god. 
Well, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> beat around the bush there, no. Yeah, no, that was that was good. It's like we haven't really seen people die all that often, like particularly in like oh, yeah, dude, great see, ways. See, and then all of a the, sudden, uh... just like fucking guy laying on the ground, like his gut spilling out, and he's just like, help! And I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> well, Jesus. I mean, shit. We see the suicide of the dude that couldn't protect the uh, yeah the the, the print the little prince dude from Erwin uh, from being kidnapped. Uh-huh. He just goes, I failed my duties, and he just blows his own brains out. You're like, whoa! I love, I love how everyone is just like, yeah, he's, he's going to kill himself. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's not, put him yeah. On, let's not put him under suicide watch. You know? He's <laughs> got to do it for honor. He's of the old school. He's definitely going to kill himself at first convenient opportunity. Yeah. Well, we don't, we, we, we don't see the, um, the rape and pillage of, t- of towns, uh, but we do see the ordering of... Uh, of uh, execution because of what they did. We do see all that. Like, people yes. getting hung, firing squads. They're like, yeah, you don't rape and pillage the village, buddies. <laughs> we may be the Not Empire, cool. but we have, we have rules. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, that's... I, yeah. Obviously, right? It's, it, it's interesting. When That's one of the things, right? When they come and take over, because the problem is, like, they're, they're there to take over, but you don't want to be seen, like, entirely as the bad guy. Yes, well, I mean, right. they uh, used... I mean, you were obviously seen as the bad, like, the bad guy, right? Aliens, like, with the, with the scorching yeah, of, right, but, uh kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. just burn everything, let's go inside of territory. The, the aliens will come, conquer, we'll see as the good guys, but then resources will... And then people will start getting angry mm-hmm. at them, and then, you know, you have tension. They don't want that. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting yeah. how they pull the empires, the good guys at the end of this part. It's really, really nice. The there's a lot of uh, narrative war as well behind. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now uh, Reinhardt has officially uh, ended the Goldenbaum dynasty. It's totally overthrown now. He is the full dictator. He isn't just the uh, the general in power. He is he is now also officially the dictator. So that's that's where it ends. The alliance has fallen. And what uh, did it cost? At what cost? Well, Yang is no longer going to be in in general. He's not going to be in military power. Yang won't retire for it long. Cost, time. It costed him everything. <laughs> what? I like that. I like that part twelve for uh, Reinhardt when he gets uh, when he gets the crown. I like that part because, you know, it's like the whole thing with like, oh, everyone's there, everyone's there and fucking celebrations are running. But the two people, the only two people he wanted to, he really wanted to be there more than anything else. They they are not there. They are not present. His sister's in isolation at a cottage and Kierkegaard is dead. So So what did it cost? Everything. Everything. That's that isolation that he's going to. and, And so he just... He overworks himself. He's he's he got that fever, you know. So I think we there's a lot of foreshadowing there of of what's going to happen with Reinhardt, and we don't have a whole lot of foreshadowing with what Yang Wen Li's gonna uh, his role is gonna be in part three. But we do know of historian. The, well, yeah, historian. <laughs> but we but we do know like what his possible path could be because of Mercat's being sent off for a secret resistance force. So he, Yang does believe in democracy so much that he wants at least, uh, you know, viva la resistance going to start going on over here. 
but what his role is in particular remains a mystery. So yeah, part two, very, very dialogue heavy. Not a lot of battles, only a couple of them. Uh, it's the rise of Reinhardt, finally accepting the crown. Uh, Yang had just incredible, incredible dialogue and lines of his frustration with democracy, his partner. I loved it all. Uh, maybe I would have wished a little bit more with Faison, but that's clearly going to be a bigger, bigger role well, in part definitely. three. They already tipped the scale of war. Like they, they concluded that, right. oh, well, the war will keep going and the Empire will eventually win. Like, that's clear. And they're like, all right, you know, the Empire will win. We better just help them. It's better to do that. Well, of course, there's some stuff behind that on part three will get, you know, we get to surface. But uh, at that point, Fezan, as some, uh, as someone who is deeming more into the, the merchants, it's kind of the merchant place. They will do yeah. what is best for business. And the war is not good for business. Not at all. <laughs> when they... Well, when, not anymore. Well, yeah, when, they, when they decide yep. that, alright, the Empire will win. Uh, Fezan then decides to help them because they can influence the Empire then. Right? Hmm. Now we are allies. I helped you. Hey, put those guys inside of your place. And then they start spreading ideologies and other ideals. They're not the empire. Then try to, you know, take the empire from inside. Kind of take take the culture, take yeah. the minds. You don't need power. You don't need the government. government. You just need the hearts and minds of people. That's kind of Fizan way in this war. And it's very interesting to see. But that's mm. part three. <laughs> yes, it is. Now, I mean, like, when it comes to part two, the only thing I can really say about part two is that at the end of the day, I am looking to be entertained. And as far as part two goes, there were times, rather lengthy portions, where I wasn't particularly enjoying myself. It wasn't the, bad. The middle, for me, it yes. was the middle with the whole Erwin thing. Yeah. Like, it wasn't bad, but it's one of those things where I'm sitting there. And there were times where I'm just checking the time, and I'm like, okay, can we move on to like the next episode? Like, when is something exciting going to happen? When is something going to happen out of this? Like, the, the bubble is about to burst, and I can feel it, but when will it fucking <laughs> burst? <laughs> I keep blowing into uh, this balloon, and it won't pop. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't bored at all. I'll have to. I'll, I'll disagree. Yeah, bro, dude, my life is loss, politics, and conflict. <laughs> Conflicts of interesting. So for me, that is way too good of a show. If, if there's no battles at all, it's only politics or talking. I'll be happy as well because that's my jam, and it's it's really really hard to see something so deep thought like that. So even when it's just dialogue and dialogue and dialogue, I'm I'm just sitting there like, yes, yes, the social tissue, it is happening, the dem democratic rupture. <laughs> I'm like, yes, the empire and the world is burning. Yes. 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 That is everyone who studies <laughs> constitutional laws, things like that. 
<laughs> the world is burning. That is good because the constitution and you know every every constitution doesn't matter if it's an empire, a monarchy, a dictatorship, a democracy. It's not done for peace times. The constitution is made for war times, for conflict times. And so we see all those very well thought and very based, uh, solid based societies colliding in cultures, uh, social structure, social rules, and what comes out of it. And space, of course, that space makes everything better. <laughs> So yeah, I I wasn't bored at that all. At all. Yes. I enjoyed every single episode. So what what's uh what score do you give it since we're uh I think the, the same I, I gave the first one. I I honestly don't have any reason to change. I think I gave it an 8 or a 9 in the first one. And I think I'll keep with that yeah. because honestly, there's I gave... really not many things to <laughs> uh that did the credits this show probably a little bit of uh some animation parts but i'll i'll cite that now yeah i gave i gave a uh, part one a 10 i'll uh just because the middle kind of dragged a bit for me um i'll give this one a nine just for part two it was very dialogue heavy and i can so- totally see people getting bored if they really liked uh the action of part one more than the dialogue of part two. So I'll stick with a nine. So we're at a 9.5 for me right now for the series as a whole. How about yourself, Tori? <sighs> yes. How about me? Uh, now, obviously I'm still the guy who is not the biggest on this show. I think it's a good show, but I'm not loving it. Uh, it has good moments, but it lacks, it lacks, pers- it lacks room to breathe for me. A lot of times, like I appreciate that the story is really well written and really tightly written. Mm-hmm. But there are moments where I feel like the kind of grip around the story is too tight for my liking. Uh-huh. Uh, like it's too not uh, enough mystery to yeah, and that yeah, that kind that. of takes yeah. me out a little bit of of certain parts, not all of it, but certain parts. So because that, I ended up giving part one a seven because it still it still did a lot that I appreciate. But Wait, because I gave one a seven, a seven, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, I yeah, part part one a seven. So because of that, because I kind of like dislike part two, not dislike part two, but like part two a little bit less than I like part one, I kind of forced myself to give that one a six. It's not, it, six I, I would give half. it a high six, Ooh. but it's not, it's not my cup of tea. It's not what I'm all that into. It's, it's good, but because of that, like, little middle part there where I was kind of bored, I have to dock it a little bit of points and... Yeah, so it ends up yeah, on six. I mean, I guess they don't. Sh- yeah, All they right. show everything. Yes, it, it comes to that mentality of that being a documentary we've seen in the future. So they just show yes. everything to yep. you. There's no mystery at all because it is a documentary. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. that's the sort of stories I like. Right? I need. I prefer my stories to have a little bit of breathing room, like a little bit of, it, not not even necessarily like mystery, but like. Stuff that kind of becomes more clear. And there are parts where they do that. But there are still, for me, for my liking, for my taste, there are parts where I feel like the story is trying to be too tightly written, trying to keep you too on top of everything that's going on. And at that point, I'm like, uh, to say kind of like what I said about the whole uh, history recap, it starts feeling a little bit like I'm back in history class. And when I feel like I'm back in history (laughs) class, even though history can be interesting... Why you still end up in that little bit like, yep, uh-huh, 
you're telling me all of this stuff and it's very interesting, but also I have other things I want to do. <laughs> I, I know exactly I know exactly how you feel, Tori. Um yeah, I wish there was a little bit more mystery in this as well. Like maybe don't tell like we don't know who the leader of the terrorist church is, technically. Uh yeah. you know, maybe maybe Faison's third-party movement could have been hidden a little bit better yeah i totally feel you history was my f- least favorite class <laughs> wow. in school wow uh next to wow. college chemistry wow oh college. yeah i hated I'm a history, history nerd i hated that's, it that's, there's I, only so many times i can learn about the american government yeah, in world war ii okay why i, like <laughs> I mean i don't want them just the history yeah i mean i explained <laughs> I, I just love history and politics and law so <laughs> that show is for me <laughs> i mean yeah. No, but I I don't hate history. My big thing is like my history. We didn't we cut out history at the school very early, so we haven't had history forever. I only recently started picking up history again. Wait, uh, you don't learn, you, don't, the, you didn't learn about Texas history in seventh grade like I did? No, nope, nope. We A whole year no. I learned about Texas history, but we're yeah. getting off. And topic. it's <laughs> the same like JD said. It's always just World War Two, World War Two, World War Two. It's like I I know this now. I don't need to, we don't need to go through it again. Do we? And then couple that with usually always having teachers who are like, sorry, guy, guys are just, okay, history class, open textbook, and now I'm going to read this to you in like the most monotone, I want to kill myself voice. Ah, <laughs> pre- you're preaching in the choir, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, nah, right. but like, again, it's a good show. It's just, there are parts of it that aren't quite for me. Uh, so... Uh, that makes us give it a uh, congruent score of an 8 for part mm-hmm. 2. Not bad. Yeah. Um, for our next episode, we have Gun Frontier. Uh, Yay, Leiji Matsumoto! It is. Is it? Yes. Oh, shit. Well, I'm looking forward to it even more now. Hooray. <laughs> With the little midget Leiji Matsumoto likes to make his it. main characters as well. <laughs> well, that's very true. And the same women. And Captain Headlock, but yeah. in yeah, in another in another costume. <laughs> well, this was Rudley Fletcher Cast Anime Episode Sixty One. Tori Hickey, it's been a pleasure. An audience, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Peace. あなたばかりの星たちと大津大津へと来た煌めきの中に君は熱い思いを感じるはずだ君を渡ってみないか惜しく流れる星雲をその太鼓に抱かれた時に君は深い命を感じるはずだ Adi da